Hey, how's it going? How you doing? How's it going out there? Okay, so this is the After School Spectacular, episode four. This is the first episode with a woman, the first episode with an Asian, and the first episode with a bodybuilder. All rolled under one. Uh, she's a pretty cool teacher. I've known her for a few years, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. So, there are some technical difficulties because we're still doing it over Zoom, but uh, I think I fixed them in editing, and I hope that you enjoy the episode. So, without further ado, here we go. Okay, it's recording. So, here we go. Um, so, you want to... Uh, um introduce yourself and we'll go over uh just you know how how uh we'll go over the first couple questions after that yeah hi everyone this is Famida Shuli I am an educator special education and a um educational leader in training um doing my internship in educational leadership and uh, in my personal time I am a professional bodybuilder so that's what I do. So you're actually um, the first for like a few things. Um, you're <laughs> for this podcast and in real life. But uh, so yeah, yeah, the first one to go by your real name. The other, the other two guys went by like an alias. They went by like, like their teacher name or just uh, like a, a whole different alias. Um, uh, you're the first to go. Your first woman because we've only had three men on, right? <laughs> and, it's special, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it only took us three, though, unlike vice presidents, where we've had like 45 <laughs> of them. Yeah. So, uh, we're making progress. You know? yeah. yeah, we're more, we're more progressive than the U.S. at this point. Yes. But, yeah. uh, see, the first woman. Uh, we also only had, we had two uh, black men and one white guy. So, you're the first uh, Asian woman, also. <laughs> so, that's the first boom, boom, boom. But you also, you're the first um, bodybuilder. I think you yeah. So you're the first bodybuilder too. Okay. Um, mostly been kind of big guys like me. So <laughs> bodybuilder also. What are you drinking? <laughs> this is actually a delicacy. This is a it's a pickle beer. It's a beer. Oh, you told me you started drinking that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's I had to have my mom I had to have my mom ship it here from Ohio. I had them ship it because they could ship it to Ohio, but not to New Jersey. So they shipped it to my mom, and she shipped it to me. Must be very special. Yeah. So, um, okay, so let's get into it. So how how did you become a teacher, and then how did you become a bodybuilder? Because I feel like those have to be... Um, They're very separate. not too many. There's not too many, yeah. That are, yeah that are, like, I, there's a little overlap. Like, the Venn diagram for that's like this. There's, like, a little overlap in most of yeah. it. Yeah. I only yeah. know three other female bodybuilders uh, figure athletes like nationally just you know in my own experience who are also educators themselves um because it's definitely not easy with the job we have Mm-mm. how did I become a teacher well my mom was a teacher in Bangladesh you know in the village okay. in in Silet in the border of India and Bangladesh is a very bountiful um natural farm type of village and she so we would 
walk to school. I would walk to school ever since I was two and I would pretend to be a teacher at age two because my mom was a teacher. So I would walk around like this, like my mom and I would pretend to discipline kids when I was like three, four years old. And that's in Bangladesh. So that's, yeah. so that's one more thing in the first. So everyone else has been born or only been like in the U.S. You're international. So that's another third. Yo, I got a work call. I think it's an emergency. Hello? Shit. Wait, is school got COVID? It's going to be an email. I'll check the email. So it's uh, if it's in my school, it's going to be shut down. Um, wow. my The school district I work at, it's very, you know, um, very strict. If there's any case, they shut it down. Um, wow. But anywho, going back to our story, watching my mom be a teacher, like just naturally gave me a lot of the traits teachers have. I'll be helping her like, you know, grade things, even when I was in elementary school or check papers or organize her papers, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but then I never thought I would become a teacher. They wanted me to be a doctor or a pilot. They wanted me to be first at something, you know? Little did they know I was going to be the first female Bangladeshi bodybuilder. <laughs> first girl on this podcast. Tell them about that, too. First yes, true. They had no idea that I was going to show up here in Anthony's podcast as the first girl. Yeah, I mean, um, the so, bodybuilder thing didn't do it. That should, that should push it over. I know. So, like, you know, I was studying pre-medicine, clinical laboratory science That's you know, at, at Stony Brook, which is, like, pretty famous for, like, medicine and stuff. But I just got bored. Then I went to uh, study abroad in India to learn more about my roots, culture. Yeah. You know, I'm not from India, but you know the cult, the ancient history is like shared and similar. So, anyways, I noticed that you know most of the fundamental change was being brought about by education. Like a lot of nonprofit organizations were making change through education, and it wasn't necessarily through medicine. So I was like, all right, you know, if I really want to change the world, I have to become a teacher. So. That's yeah. when I be chosen. I chose to change my major towards the end of my undergrad, um, and you know, became a bodybuilder officially. Like when I decided I'm gonna be a competitive bodybuilder, or do you mean like when did I start lifting? Um, whichever. Yeah, go. We'll go with lifting. Well, and I then just, the I'll be honest. I mean, I was super skinny in high school, and I just didn't like being that thin. And I just wanted to gain some weight however I could. And so like there was a gym, you know, a weight room. I would just go there and I'll play around with the five, 10 pound dumbbells. I just didn't know what to do. But then when I went away to college, there was a like a full facility gym in almost every dorm, like downstairs from my dorm. And when I was bored, that's what I did. And um, there were like a couple guys I thought they were super cute and they were lifting. And so I was like, <laughs> they asked me to lift with them. And I was like, cool, you know? But that was like silly. That's how I started lifting more. But then I got super, super, super serious once I was trying out for uh, the crew team. And that was about me and me only. Uh, I wanted to be strong and I wanted to be fast. And, you know, I wanted to really be part of the crew team. Um, they made me a coxswain instead of an actual rower. Um, so because I was so small, I didn't weigh enough or I wasn't tall enough to like reach and be fast that, that, that was just their logic the captain's logic yeah. and it really pissed me off I tried it out for like a semester didn't work out even though I liked it um then I was like you know what I'm gonna do my own sport 
So I was like, you know what, bodybuilding, like nobody can say like, oh, like you're too small for it or you're too short for it. You know what I'm saying? Bodybuilding is a very individualized sport. Anyone can start bodybuilding and then they build their way up. And you have full control over your schedule, how you train, where you train, what you eat. It's like, it's a one man sport. So you have full control over your schedule. And, you know, being in the sports team affected my um, academics because I would wake up four in the morning, but I'd also go to bed at two in the morning or three in the morning. So there was like almost no sleep and I would wake up and go to training out in the cold on Long Island, you know, uh, in the water. And then by the time I would come, come back, it's time, time to go to class and I'd be too sleepy to focus that semester, you know, in the morning classes. So I just figured like having my own sport, just bodybuilding, and it was very empowering. Uh, I felt like, you know, being a woman, I just felt like bodybuilding gave me that strength and control over like my own body and my own confidence. Um, and, and I could like, I, I could, I felt like there's nothing that I couldn't do that a man can do because of bodybuilding. And, yeah. you know, gr- growing up in Bangladesh, I was, you know, told, oh, you're a girl, you can't do this and that, you know, in terms of like physical stuff. Um, or like even in the U.S., women are told what to look like, you know, oh, don't don't live to be thin. You know, there's like expectations um, look like the mag- girls in the magazine or Victoria's Secret um, models or this and that. It's different now. Things are changing now. But I just uh, wanted to fight the status quo and just be empowered and bodybuilding did that for me and as soon as I started making a full-time salary after moving to California where you know I actually I told my parents I was moving there for grad school but I was I went there for bodybuilding mainly (laughs) I mean if there was a grad school it worked out you know (laughs) I ended up getting a job it worked out great you know it was a great school too but the main idea was to be by the beach be by all the nice gyms and all the professional bodybuilders the whole culture lifting culture the you know fitness culture um, and as soon as I made some money or started making a full salary, I got myself the best coaches in the area, you know, some of the best coaches in the game and, you know, and yeah, they started as, yeah, as soon as I had a salary, I was in, you know, in the competitive world. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, we have like in Ohio, there's a big one, the Arnold, I think it's in Columbus. Yeah. Like, uh, I had a couple of friends that would always go to that like every year and like this year they couldn't do it because of the COVID and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a whole culture. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. It's a little different than what I do. It's uh, the Arnold's and the IFBB or the um, Olympia. They don't do drug testing and oh, really? the shows. Yeah. The shows I do are strictly drug tested or there's like um, polygraph tested one or the other or both. That's not so what was um what was school like for you when you were like a student when you were in um I mean this could be when you were in uh Bangladesh or when you were in New York. All right. Well, it was it's very very, very different from what your life would have been like, you know, in, in Ohio, let's say. Did you, how do you did know? you grow up in a farm? Did you grow up in a farm? Oh, see, how do you know? See? <laughs> there was no farm, no. I was like, Ohio, was and then did you yeah, come from yeah. a farm? <laughs> no, hell no. Uh, I, I got to do some, like, landscaping when I was in high school. So that's did. the extent to which you experience yeah. country. 
No, nah, like, I mean, that was just, that was in the suburbs too. That really wasn't in the country. Like, we would go to the country to, like, go to bonfires or parties or something in high school. Or, yeah. Uh, my, my mom's old boss, he, uh, he ran, like, a, he was, like, a, he worked at, like, a credit office, and she was, like, his secretary, and he was a complete, like, just jerk. But um, he also had a farm, and she took us all up there to, like, see the farm and the animals, and there's horses and stuff. And I remember, like, uh, me and my brother were like feeding these chickens and like we're we're in this little chicken thing and like we're feeding the chickens and this big rooster just came up and like just pecked my brother in the arm and the guy like the jerk he just grabbed the um rooster by like the neck and like killed it <laughs> beat it to death with like the pail with the birds oh it my was God. Very, that was like the only time I was really like kicking it on the farm but uh when I was Did doing you ever do though, cow tipping? Is something I heard that people. I don't do in the think Midwest. that's even like physically possible, man. Like I heard people <laughs> you say they did it. The cow was too heavy for you. how big a cow is? Like they're huge. Like it it's, means you it's, just gotta work out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just Maybe so you can go cow tipping. <laughs> that's I mean, your goal. I, like, I remember hearing people say they did it, but I'm always like, did they? You know, did they really knock a cow over? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the things you hear about. I mean, I've driven on like country roads. I've been around the farm a bunch. And yeah. When I so, was doing so, so my I did landscaping for like he would drive. He had like a kind of a farm that we had to go to to get stuff, and like uh-huh. we'd grab a bunch of hay barrels and throw them in his truck and gotcha. stuff. But it wasn't like. Uh, you but know, you had some experience, right? Yeah, some experience. No, not really. Not no? really. Okay, so now like times that by ten. That's how country I grew up, you know, so no electricity, no electricity. There's hay barns, of course, but no electricity, no gas, no transportation except for a boat. Wow. Uh, Maybe a steamboat. If you want to go to the city, it's about like a three, four hour ride. Uh, And but then you have to wait for like the river to be like deep enough to have a steamboat, because if it's too dry, the steamboat's not going to go through. So what you have, like candles and stuff for light? What'd yeah, you mm-hmm. candles and kerosene lantern that you see in like um, old movies. You know how they like walk around with a lantern? Yeah. yeah, so kerosene lantern. So I only had a few, like maybe an hour or two to do my homework in the evening because I better wow. get it done, you know, because that lantern's not going to last that long. Um, that is insane. Correct. And um most of the time I didn't even wear, like, I didn't even wear sneakers until I would come visit in the city because you're required to, <laughs> or, you know, because, you know. Like the you city don't want, here or the city no, there? No, like in the city in Bangladesh. So okay. my mom's family was in the city. My dad's family, where I grew up in the first eight years of my life, was in a farm by the, by this beautiful river and mountains and rice paddies, rice fields. It was just very green, bountiful with, you know, uh, fruit trees everywhere, just a lot of resources that are natural, Um, but just no technology. Um, And so basically I would walk to school about two, three miles and I would have to cross the river, like like a small little river sometimes. And there would be a bamboo bridge, but sometimes that bridge would be broken. Then I would have to go through the little stream um and it was an adventure every day there'd be like trees on the way there'd be fruits on the trees and i'd i'd start climbing and shit start doing (laughs) pull-ups or start balancing on the tree branches with my friends i'll be late all the time huh 
You did pull-ups when you were a kid? Yeah, on the trees. Man. Yeah. yeah. And um, I would be racing my friends to school and I'd still be late. But then I didn't care because my mom was a principal. So. <laughs> that is not so like that's kind of like like a foreshadowing for your bodybuilding days if you're doing pull-ups when you're a kid. Cause I couldn't like when I was a kid, I was a short fat kid. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to <laughs> high school and I did like football in eighth grade, I lost a bunch of weight. Uh-huh. And I was like, cut. And then I could do pull-ups. And then after uh-huh. high school, went to college and started drinking and then just got fat. Then I couldn't do <laughs> like right now I could maybe do one like gun to my head, maybe. That's it. Like <laughs> my pull-up days were very short. But if you're doing them when you're a kid, man, yeah, you're like set to be a bodybuilder kind of. Well, um, I think it's uh I think some people are naturally athletes. They're born with the energy, born with some structure, if I may say that like my feet are shaped in a certain way like I can balance myself on tree branches you know or or like um the energy I would say is it's pretty natural and um uh-huh. the affinity for being active it's it's also a little bit natural it's not acquired so you're right like I was shaped to be an athlete since I was a baby or a kid um how was and- like school out there though like what like what was um so- like how like how would you compare school out there to like school you went to or school that you taught at okay well the school in the village was very different from the school in the city where I went for like fifth sixth and seventh grade right so the the school in the village was like common core before common core even came out because there was no technology yeah so (laughs) yeah there was no technology you had to learn using whatever object was around so math or science was taught through the farms, local farms, like, oh, we're growing these plants, we're going to learn about soil qualities, we're going to learn about uh, geometry, you know, using actual real world things that were literally right there, Um, using rocks and pebbles, huh? That's like Montessori school. Almost like a Montessori, but there's also memorization involved, Um, you know, it it was very, very application based. And it was very like comprehensive, believe it or not, if the PE was pretty legit because the, they had real fields, you know, because there was so much space, green space, real track and field, which I did um, in elementary um, and in like jump rope competitions. Every morning we had to do that shit. It was required. Um, like athletic Competitive jump required. rope was required. Huh? Competitive jump rope was required. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like PT, we had PE in the morning and it was like some hardcore shit. You had to do sit-ups, you had to do like jumps, you had to do a bunch of shit in uniform. Like, was it uniform? No, there was no uniform the first few years. But um it, you know, you couldn't like talk back because you get beat. Like <laughs> there's like a stick, you know. Like you, you couldn't oh, talk back, it'd be like you know, you would get hit on your hand. Yeah, we never had that in Ohio when I was there, but like I think my older sister got spanked or something. But mm-hmm. uh they they cut that they cut that shit out by the time I got older. Like by the time yeah. I went there, yeah. it was already like like they, they ended that in the nineties. That was probably some stuff they did in the eighties. Right. Um and we then had like wall the, ball though. Yeah, the middle school in the city. So then I left the village to go to middle school in the city. My dad started making a little bit more money in the US. So he's been in the US ever since I was six. So he started, you know, making a little bit more money. So he got us a place in the city, a nice place. And, you know, I could go um, to a very good school. It was 
one of the top schools and it was girls only school in new york in new york no in in bangladesh, oh, bangladesh. Like, so okay. like sixth and seventh sixth seventh and half of eighth grade i was in girls only school and um it was uniform and I cut most of my class. I was really bad as a student. Like I was smart because I had like five different tutors at home and my mom was a teacher. So like oh, I had no okay. option. You had five tutors? Huh? Yeah, my mom, because my mom was a principal. So like her first, you know, even if she didn't have a lot of money, she spent all her money on my tutors. Music mm. teachers, art teachers would come to my house and like every hour I was structured to do all these things. I had to sneak out to play sports. <clears throat> but um, in the school, uh, as soon as I came to the city, I felt like I wasn't learning anymore because it was no longer like application based anymore. Like it was in the village, you know. Wow. Uh, so it was a lot of memorization. But then I because of my tutors, I I learned algebra, advanced algebra, English, you know, Arabic music, all that, you know, stuff. And my uncle was living with us and he was a biology major. So that's when my, you know, you know, my science background started really, really early, especially starting from the village, seeing everything in person, like cutting, cutting fucking, you know, goats open for, you know, when you, when you're in a farm, you know, you, people slaughter in front of you and you see all the organs and shit. You know? That's <laughs> wait, when my fucking, that's when my what? dissection started, you know, that was, my, that was my first dissection, you know? Yeah. That, that sounds, even with the goat slaughter, that sounds way better than uh, New York or Ohio education. I mean, we did. We no, did because a lot I of, literally already knew all the yeah. organs of the body by the time I was age six, you know, I already knew yeah. how reproduction worked for chickens versus mammals i already knew how reproduction worked for fish and amphibians and everything because we had little ponds and this and that i already knew like about life cycles i already knew about environmental science already and i was only eight years old so so that foundation started then but the thing is my cousins didn't become as educated as i am it's just the way my, my brain works i guess like I noticed uh, things and I just processed it. And probably because my mom is a teacher, she constantly made me reflect on shit all the time. <laughs> you know how we are like, oh, what is that? What do you think that is? Why do you think that is? You know, but then um, once not, I, I moved, thought it was going to be worse. Like, I, I mean, uh, like I, the way you were saying, like, you didn't have lights at first. Yeah, but, uh, but just because you didn't have lights didn't mean I didn't have resources. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you really I mean, need lights, lights shit, to be educated? All, I mean... Think of, I mean, Shakespeare didn't have lights. Shakespeare didn't have lights. Shakespeare didn't have lights, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is, (laughs) (laughs) yo, yo, I feel like you're totally judging right now. No, (laughs) no, no. I'm saying, like, I'm saying that I pre, that was I prejudged. That I was saying before I judged. Yes, yes, you had a pre notion. My eyes. Yeah. Even without lights, you opened my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I am. Are you looking for the vocabulary enlightened, Mr. Clark? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> that's that's crazy. No, I got you. But mind you, we had light. It was candlelight, or it was a torch, or it was kerosene lamp. Plus, you, you got the sun like half the day. The so. sun, yeah, and we had to go to sleep by eight o'clock and had to wake up by five. So, like, what the fuck do you need all the light for? The reason why a lot of us are unhealthy now is because our lights are fucking on twenty four seven. Yeah. We don't um, go to sleep until one, two, and you know we're not productive in the morning or we're not you know fresh in the morning. But like in the village, we had to get everything done during daylight. 
Is it like tropical there in Bangladesh? Yeah, it's, like it's, it's, not, yeah, it's a tropical yeah. country where I grew up. That village is like um, it's, it's like a tropical heaven. You know, it's 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 nice. like a rainforest with a river uh, with a waterfall coming down and shit with like rice paddies. It's, it was very green. It was beautiful. It was bountiful. Um, so it was just it was just amazing. It was like the biggest playground in the world, and it was like a like a like a discovery um, center for a kid. You know, I how just old were you when you first saw snow? So, fast forward, I moved here um, 2000, right? Yeah. 2000, right after visiting my un uncle and aunt in uh, uh, in Singapore, and they told me that that we're gonna go to we're gonna move to the U.S. in in New York, and it's gonna be just as nice as Singapore. That's why we're moving because I didn't want to come here. You know, <laughs> I had what? friends there. You know, I had friends there. You know, I was cool. Yeah. I was one of the cool kids that everybody knew. I was in the Girl Scouts and shit. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I was one of the leaders of mischiefs. You know, um, so I didn't want to come here. I don't want to leave my friends. So they convinced me. They're like, they showed me Singapore and they said it's gonna be nice like Singapore. It was nothing like Singapore. I mean, come on, Singapore is like perfect like there's not a single dirt on the road there's no gum on the you know road it's pretty it's like flowers everywhere high-tech you know country so when I you know when I you know came out of JFK I'm like what the fuck is this shit like my village was way nicer <laughs> like a homeless guy <laughs> like there yeah it's like yeah. homeless people on the street I'm like yo <laughs> my village was way nicer so I went to middle school in Queens then uh the school I, I was put into an ESL class and I had one teacher who taught me everything, <laughs> literally everything. Wait, 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 wait. How, how many languages do you speak? I currently speak um, Bengali, Hindi, some Urdu, um, English, obviously. And I were I was taught Arabic at a very, very early age wow. at the mosque um, and private. I barely speak English. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm learning my Spanish and some Punjabi right now. Yeah, there's a. Uh... Because every kid, every student I teach from Bangladesh mm -hmm. is always super smart. And I've had like three or four of them. And they always they always speak at least like three languages. And it's mm -hmm. like not counting English, so four. But it's yes. like, yeah, yes. you guys well, are very because the religious, the, Because the religious scripture is in Arabic. So if you want to participate in any religious activity, you have to know some Arabic. Because it's Muslim country. Muslim. The yeah. country's not Muslim. 80% Muslim dominant. It's a very okay. democratic country with it with diversity, Hindus, Christians, Buddhists, but majority is, is Muslim, but the, the government is not religious. Okay. It's, it's yeah. Um it's become an educational podcast. I like that. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you just so, come to so New yeah, York. So the reason why, yeah, they have three foreign languages is because it was colonized by you know the British. The whole South South Asian continent, right? Subcontinent I mean, was colonized most of the world by was little bastards. Right. Huh? <laughs> I said most of the world was colonized by the Co British. Correct, man. but it was bastards. recently colonized. So you know what I mean? 1947. Yeah. That's when the British left, but they left. They they changed a lot of systems, and English just stuck around. You know, and um and and so that's the second language, and then the third language would be the Bengali. But then Hindi is very pre predominant because it's everywhere in movies. You know, Bollywood is the biggest fucking movie industry in the world. 
like, oh, yeah, like after is. Hollywood, right? So everybody watches Bollywood movies and Bollywood, you know, songs are very, very, very popular growing up. So that's why Bangladeshi speaks so many different languages because of the, and also Urdu because it was part of Pakistan until 1971. So a lot of our grandparents know Urdu. My grandma still sings in Urdu sometimes because she grew up at a time when Pakistan took over Bangladesh after the British left. So that's, and then there are dialects. There are dialects in the, in the country too. So my parents speak two different dialects. So I know both of them. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is nuts. And um, when you speak different languages, your brain has more like um, plasticity. So you make more yeah. connections. And so you're, you learn things faster because your brain has been trained to connect so many different types of vocabulary and ideas and whatnot. So, yeah, I just was always thinking like uh, those kids always seem to be super smart. That's probably a connection there with the being trilingual, you know, and yeah, and everything else. But it's um, more than that. It's also the culture. Like you don't you like parents will beat you if you don't do your fucking homework. I mean, get results. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just can't say it like, yo, we can't say it like at work, you know. I don't know nah, if you've ever I mean, worked at one I, of those schools. Was, Have yeah, you ever worked you at one of those schools where if you like called a parent, you know they were going to beat their kid, but you just didn't want to say nothing. You just hung up the phone and you just left it alone. Have you ever done yeah, that? I mean, no. oh, yeah, I mean, I had a parent teacher conference one time and I'm speaking to another teacher. Right. And he's speaking to the parent because uh, she didn't speak English. She spoke Spanish. Mm hmm. And I'm just going on like a list. Like I had like my phone out. I just had stuff. I had notes for this kid. I'm going through. I was like, well, okay, this, this, this. I'm just going through everything. Like he's always late. He uh -huh. never does his work. He never does his homework. He, mm -hmm. He's missing three tests. He skips mm -hmm. the test. He's always mm -hmm. eating food, but never has a pencil. I'm just going through everything on this kid. Like I had like, yeah. you know, a dossier on this kid, man. I'm just yeah. going through. And his mom just looked at him. And, and like she went to like hit him. And then I kind of like caught herself, you know, but I was just like, I was like, oh, like, <laughs> like but like you knew what was going to happen when they went yeah, home. Yeah, <laughs> like, and she was like, and I was like, okay. So I'm, now I'm trying to find nice stuff to say. I was like, you know, he's always polite, though. Like, let me. <laughs> 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 and then you have to change your mind. Like, okay, it's not that bad. Like, he didn't fucking cuss me out. He didn't try to, you know, he didn't, he wasn't so bad, you know, so you had to protect yeah. him, right? Um, Maybe you're going to hit him, hit him, but like, so, open hand, open hand. Speaking, you know? of, <laughs> speaking of which, after moving to California, I got hired right away before I even graduated uh, by the schools in the border of, you know, U.S.-Mexico border. 95%, yeah. 95% Mexican parents who did not give a shit. They had no fear for the law or law or like, you know, ACS, you know, taking their kid away. They don't care. They beat their kids. Like if you called and you said, oh, your son hasn't been showing up or he cussed or he got into a fight or whatever. It's like, okay, okay. And then it was like, that's all, okay. And then <laughs> that kid would come back like either like super, super, super timid or like the opposite would become even worse. So we had to like consider, we had to think about it before we called parents when we were, you know, when I was in, you know, San Diego area. 
because you know we knew that you know some of them were getting you know abused at home or they just did, oh, yeah. they had different yeah, types of reporters we got you yeah. got to always report yeah exactly so no we had to, but but oftentimes we had to worry because a lot of them were illegal parents and you know it's like once you report them for like ACS and then what they get deported and you know what I mean so we had to be really really careful and we tried to handle behavior issues in the school you know using whatever consequences we could whether it's like different types of service you know they had to do during lunch or whatever um but you know there was a lot of crazy stories I know you were asking about some crazy stories so what you see taught in uh, like LA near LA, like um, Orange County. I, I taught in both like by the border uh, in San Diego, Mexican border. Okay. And, and also <clears throat> also um, a little bit up north of San Diego, um, which was in Orange County. Yeah. Which did you like, like more like LA or the Bronx? Southern California or the Bronx? Uh, oh, yeah, so, sorry. There, it depends what part of the Bronx. So my last job was at a nice school in the Bronx. So it was very academically, you know, yeah. well, you know, achieved, but, um, and it was very like strict and everything in terms of their behavior, like things were fine. But before that, I worked in South Bronx. It was um, very similar, uh, a different in, in, in some ways, but I had gang members as students in Southern California. And we all knew, the vice principals knew, everybody knew. They had their own colors and shit, you know. Um, Mexican gangs, we had, you know, Crips, we have, you know, blood, we had everything. I've had, you know, um, I've taught kids with emotional disturbance because I always had this hero complex. I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm strong. I took um, certification courses in, you know, restraint on breaking up fights and conflict resolution, all that shit. And I'm like, yeah, I can handle this, you know? So I intentionally chose jobs where they had like kids who were juvenile delinquents and shit, you know? (laughs) And then I had, yeah. And some of them, some of them had schizophrenia and whatnot. So, so I once had, or, you know, a a student pull a knife out behind my neck and um, another student told me to move out of the way. And the security was there right away to catch her. And then, you know, she was hospitalized. That was just like one story. But there were a lot of um, older students that I taught, like high school seniors, who were um, very close to dropping out and getting in trouble. So it was real world shit. So my focus wasn't academics so much. It was more like, how the fuck do I keep them off the street and just keep them in the build? And there was no building. It was open, open classrooms. You know, it's California. We don't have, we didn't have closed buildings. It was just like open hallways and there's just like courtyard in the middle, you know? So well, kids, like there's, and no there's, no, there's no gate, there's no security, you know, checking ID or nothing. It's open gate. So, um, you know, there was shooting at times outside and, uh, you know, I've had to deal with all that, but I've had to deal with very similar situations in South Bronx. Same with the whole hero complex. I'm like, I'm going to be like a freedom rider, you know, I'm going to come save my city. I come back to New York City to save my fucking city. And, you know, very similar things, but not as much of the gang activities or gang members in New York City as in Southern California, because in New York City, security is pretty tight in the schools. Like you have multiple security uh-huh. people at the door around the building in the hallways you did not have that in california it's very open 
you know uh it's very like do whatever you want kind of open culture southern california liberal. So kids a little too i wouldn't I, I don't like the word liberal i just felt like too it has like the political connotation now I just yeah like, yeah like i just like that yeah. laissez-faire oh. yeah um and i didn't feel comfortable with that you know like if we know that a kid has schizophrenia or has juvenile delinquency, whatnot, there should be a plan on the IEP or some sort of security plan, safety plan, right? We didn't have right. that. And um, that's why I moved back to New York City because I wanted to continue to work with at-risk kids, but without having to risk my life as much. Speaking of which, working by Fordham, I didn't feel any safer really because then, because I have background in working with kids with emotional disturbance and teaching multiple subjects, the, you know, I was thrown into a room full of just kids with behavior issues and on different academic levels, you know, there's in, in middle school and I had to teach two, three su different subjects to them. And this one kid had um, schizophrenic episode and he, we were best friends until he forgot his medication that day, you know? Yeah. You know, we were best friends and, but then uh, by best friend, I mean, of course he trusted me to tell me about his dreams and his plans and whatever, you know, if he had a hobby, he would show me his drawings and whatnot. He asked questions in class. Uh, he wanted, he always wanted to work on his grades and stuff. He was a very cute, adorable seventh grader. But then his, his friend in his head told him to throw a, throw a fucking table towards me when I gave his grades back. He, he wasn't wow. happy. He wasn't happy. He threw the chair at like me. Then desk? another student blocked me. Yeah, he picked up. He picked up the small table. You know, it's not small. Yes. You, know, you know, our desk, your typical school yeah. desk. Picked it up, threw it towards me. And a strong kid, man. He should have been bodybuilding. Well, when you're in an episode, you have, you know, when a kid is in uh, an episode, yeah. they have so much energy because, you know, he's not a yeah. medication. So a kid protected me, you know, got in the way, protected me. Same thing happened in California too, but it was like a gang fight right in front of my room. And because I'm trained, I was trying to restrain. And um, a kid, a senior who was, who was larger size, told me to get out of the way and broke the fight for me when it seemed like I was going to get hurt. Yeah. So um, Kids will be like, it, it'll be a surprise you. Like sometimes the kids that you feel like don't like you or whatever mm -hmm. can still. Um, They're kinda, there for you. When, when, when some when some shit hits the fan, they're the ones that'll kind of step up. Yeah, um, for sure. So you know, it's a very intense but rewarding job. I you know always felt like I had a purpose. Um, and then you know the, the funny stories are like I would do I was doing a prep like bodybuilding show prep, and I would show up in class like really tired because I wake up five o'clock in the morning to work out, and then I would show up and they noticed my body was changing. They noticed like for some reason my voice was changing because I was working out so much like. Uh, I was tired, so my voice sound sounded deeper, and they started yeah. accusing me of stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> just like they, some of them were such brats, they were making a list of things just to like they're like we're gonna tell the principal stuff about Miss Julie, like I think she's taking steroids or you know like just stupid stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, that's kids will kids will like if they ever find anything that's like. Uh, that they can they can kind of use you know yeah yeah they will hang on to that or, yeah you know, but that's that's only that's your only yeah. middle school so i left middle school i'm like i'm done with that middle school's crazy they're just yeah crazy. i can't do middle school i can't either. do middle school so i transferred to high school my, uh, I, I started feeling 
lot more comfortable. I could focus on my academics, oh, teaching the out. academics. What? Right. Um, this kid wasn't one of those cases. This kid showed up. He was just a new kid. I didn't think it was a kid. I thought he was somebody's dad, right? And mm -hmm. he's like sitting down at a desk. He's bigger than me. He's, he's a giant. And this is a, I think it was, you know, uh, earth science. So it's 10th grade class. Mm. And um, he just was real quiet. And then he was acting kind of different. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think he had an IEP, you know, mm -hmm. I'm teaching the class, whatever. And um, he like gets up and starts like just doing push-ups like really mm -hmm. fast. And he's like doing like claps, you know, in between. And, the, and I was like, what's up with this kid? Like, he's just like, you just working out, man. Like, you know, in the middle of the breakfast table. Yes. That's not and he wouldn't call his classmates his classmates. You call him his roommates. And he was like just acting really shifty. I was like, this kid is something's different with this kid, right? Mm. And I go to talk to two other teachers, and they had already been complaining about this kid. It turns out this kid was from Rikers, and he'd been in jail since he was a freshman. And he's like 18, but only has freshman credits. And they put him in our school which was the wrong school. They should have done and put them in the type of school I'm in now, which is a transfer Just to clarify, school. Rikers is a jail in the Bronx. Yeah. It's, a, it's an island where we have um, yeah. a lot of the, yeah, criminals. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's pretty notorious. I feel like people would know. <laughs> but yeah. That's and he, true. He, he, no, you're right, though. So, so he'd been in jail, in county jail, for so long, and he only has, like, freshman credits, and he's 18, and they put him in my class, didn't tell me, um so how did think you handle that situation how'd you handle a, that situation yeah i think he did end up going to a transfer school i okay. just had to help him get like a d so he could transfer <laughs> and then oh, like, okay. like i felt like just you know just writing it in there but now nah, like yeah. you know, I, I helped him study and stuff and we ended up actually being cool towards the end but like in the beginning not so much because he was from jail but just like his his mentality was he was like he was very curt with people he was always trying to fight somebody. It was it was a lot of like uh, just outrageous issues that were going on in the classroom. And um, he still was in that mindset because he'd been in there longer than he'd been in high school, you know? And he'd been in jail at that point longer than I've been teaching, you know? So it was it was a very crazy situation. Um, excuse me. So I know Halloween just passed, but that would have been like my one of my horror, horror stories. Story. What would well, be like I dealt years? with a lot of juvenile delinquents in um, California because uh, I chose that life and then in Fordham. But it was one horror story was my first job where kids were allowed to bring cell phones and Snapchat just came out and um, a kid took my picture up skirt. And sent what? to the whole, yeah, the entire school. Wow. Uh, the vice principal called me in. She said, um, just like, you know, this might be going around. I'm like, so what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to take his cell phone away? And like, you know, not let him bring a cell phone. And I was like, yeah, you know, kids are kids. Ugh, so, and yeah, then uh, that's, that's not even the worst story. I mean, the worst stories are so intense. I don't even know if I can share because nah, I don't nah, you know, huh? no, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you already told some some pretty uh pretty good, you know. Yeah, uh, like some of the some of the stories like are very like gang activity related yeah. and 
yeah they get intense so i i don't want to now you bring good. up those memories this late at night but let's just so say it was, in, it was intense yeah so let's end on like a good note then so yeah so on a like, good note i'm in a very very uh spoiled nice rich high school now that's good. That's how it should be. Your happy ending. Well, it finally gets to, you know, yeah. after every, all I, I the... just I just told myself, you know what? I've done my service. I paid my dues. You know, it's time where I, now I spend my time and energy on kids that want to learn. They email me, ask yeah. me yeah. for help. You know, I don't got to worry about who came up, came to school high or who may have brought weapons. You know, um, I can focus on the academics. I focus on the school culture focus on preparing them for college and practicing, you know, some of the things we learn in school, grad school, you know, 100%. Um, and so it's fun. It's, I wouldn't say it's fun. It's not ex as exciting, but um, I think I could take a break from that kind of excitement. No, no one wants that kind of excitement. You know, yeah. Yeah. What, what would be like, um, so now that you have like experience and you've taught, you know, in California and the Bronx and you teach, you know, upstate, you taught all over the place. You've been a student in Bangladesh. You've been a student in New York. You've been all this. What and would California. be like in California? So mm -hmm. um, and even like with the bodybuilding you know, something you've learned now versus like something your coach taught you. Something I like to do is like, now that you have like professional experience in something uh, and a lot of things, especially with education, um, what's something that like you can look back on and be like, I would have done different if I was that teacher that you had? Oh, I mean, when I was in high school, I went to a very high performing high school in Manhattan and all my teachers were like graduates from Ivy League schools and stuff, except for my Spanish teacher who was ready to retire. And this guy showed up drunk, pissed drunk <laughs> to school. Wow. Like, I'm telling you, like, he was ready to retire. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. He would bring a newspaper and there was something in a bag or he would, you, I didn't even know what beer tasted like until I smelled this guy in wow. class. Um, so he would just walk around wobbling around the room, talking about his plans for his world travel when he retires in six months. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, why do some people become teachers if they obviously don't care? I mean, he because probably, he seems people, like he was a lame duck. Because it's our, it's the culture in the U.S., Anthony. A lot of people are raised to think that teachers, teaching is just like a job you do when you can't find something else, anything else, you know? It, it's not a revered, uh, job like it is in other countries per se 100 right so here it's like oh you became a teacher because you, you couldn't make it to med school or law school or you didn't become a professional athlete or whatever or dentist mm -hmm. so you decided to just use your college credits and take your certification course or whatever that's the culture in the u.s they think so so back then all you needed was a bachelor's degree to become a teacher so you didn't even have to go through all the tests so all the things we go through to become, well, we have gone through to become teachers, right? All yeah. of the 10, 12 exams we took, all of the workshops we took, all the graduate classes we had to take, they didn't have to do that. So it was hit or miss. You would get people who are super passionate and you would also get people who just wanted to pay, pay their bills. Yeah, that makes sense. But now that it's more rigorous, 
and we have Danielson rubric and this and that, you really have to want to be a teacher to be a teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not something you can just sleep through. Like, yeah, are, yeah. Uh, but there are people who are still entering the, you know, um, profession thinking that, oh, I, I, I get steady salary benefits. I'm, I'm good, you know? A lot of people, there are some of those people, uh, but I think that's because back then they didn't have strict guidelines and they didn't have, you know, evaluation systems. They didn't have, you know, closed monitoring of teachers and whatnot um, in the building. So it was hit or miss. You had amazing teachers and then you had some teachers who showed up to class drunk. Yeah, and I obviously, mean, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's people joining now that, um, well, not now because it's they're doing the hiring freeze, I think, still. But there's people that are going to be joining thinking, like, I'll just be a teacher. Like, it's just some easy job, but it is not. Yeah, they think, so, no, you, you need a specialty. You need, yeah. You need a master's degree. You need certifications. It's it's no, uh, it's nothing you can really just sleep through anymore. But hey, no. speaking of sleep, I think we both yeah, got to be heading to bed. Some. I don't want to keep you up too much later. Um, what I do want to say, though, is I think you're going to be like a recurring guest because you have so much uh yes you know, i would about. love so that but we, can, we, we can do topic we can do topic we can do yeah. one day we can do we can focus on maybe sports we, in schools another day we can focus on you know um whatever really any topics in education or literally in society it doesn't really matter it's fun yeah i mean so you you've been the first woman the first asian the first bodybuilder you could be the first recurring guest yes <laughs> it'd be fun I'll be All honored. Right. I'll be honored. Thank you for right, well, th thank you for being organized and uh, everything, and thank you for having me. And it's nice to catch up. And you know, I really want to work on my you know uh, presentation skills, communication skills. So this is good for me, anyways. I'm writing a book, yeah. and this helps me. Wow. Um, remember things. So if you hadn't asked me these questions, I wouldn't have thought about all these things that. Like writing a memoir. Yes. Nice. All right. Yeah. yeah I mean. Uh, well, it'll be it'll be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So you want to go back and listen, you can. And, and I uh, will. We'll get all as many episodes as we can out of you. All right. Yeah. Thanks for coming. And uh, I'm going to let you go. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, whether it was with the Spotify or the Apple Podcast or whatever. And I hope that you keep listening. I'm going to keep doing this. Have a great day, have a great night, have a good weekend. This has been another presentation of the After School Spectacular. <laughs>